Thank you guys so much for being here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Mackenzie. Um, I work here at Timberline. I'm our Young Adults Director, so I direct this group as well as a college group, and so that's me if I haven't met you. I would love to meet you. Um, we've kind of been in this series where we've been looking at various aspects of life. We're calling it God In, and we're looking at different things. We looked at finances. You know, we're looking at conflict next month. Yay. Um, and tonight, we wanted to talk about seasons and change and transitioning well. Seasons change and transitioning well. And originally, Bob Seal was supposed to join me in this, in case you're like, you said... <laughs> Bob was going to be here. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I guess he had like a daughter he had to move back from college. And so pff, he flew to California and fine. <laughs> I guess I'll allow it. Apologies for him not being here. Y'all just get me. So <laughs> yay. I don't tell you can t let him know. You can let him know for me. I appreciate that. But I've been excited about this. Um, I've been thinking about some of this topic, kind of studying this for a while, and it was um, helpful for me to look back in my own story and look at some of the big transitions, the seasons of life that I've had. And we all have seasons that we walk through. I was thinking of the kind of the classic scripture when it's talking about seasons in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's this whole bit about how there's a time for everything a season for everything under the sun. And then it lists a whole bunch of like juxtaposing things back and forth. So it's like time to die, time to be born and time to die and time to dance and time to heal and time to, like it has a time for everything, a season for everything. And I, when I use the word season or when I talk about season, that verbiage, the season that I'm in, it can refer to like the life stage that I find myself in, but it can also refer to kind of my state of being, whether that's how I'm doing spiritually, how I'm doing mentally, how I'm doing emotionally. So I'd just be curious for you to think through, how do you describe the seasons of your life? Or have you thought about it? Have you thought about the seasons of your life? I had a, a real gift about six months ago. I had the chance to do what's called a life plan. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. This is crazy. It's this crazy thing. It was this two-day intensive thing where I sat down and did a bunch of exercises to kind of refine my purpose and talk through some of my gifting and I love that kind of stuff. Love it. But one of the things that we did um, was we spent time looking at major turning points in my story. So looking back through my entire life, anything that caused major change and that would be like a, a turning point. And so he asked me to think through my whole life and write down all my, all my turning points. And then we would bring them and we'd put them on a huge graph and it was a whole thing. And one of the things he did was he had me group them together. And as if my life was a story with like a novel, if I were to call like chapters, different things, like I would name a bunch of turning points. I, I was really bad at the creatively naming the chapter part, but, but thinking about turning points and change like that was really, really interesting to me. Like, chapters and seasons of my story. If you wrote your story, what turning points would you write down? Things that brought change to your life for better or for worse. Um, what chapters would you see looking back? And what would you say about the season that you find yourself in right now? How would you define it? Um, what do you mark it with? Maybe you mark it by like, the job that you have, or your relationship status, or um, the house or apartment, the space that you live in, 
the city that you live in, or your life pre-baby, post-baby, you know, I don't know how you define that, but we all kind of do that. We all face change. We all face transitions. The turning of seasons is a part of being human. I was thinking about our life stage specifically. Our, you know, 20s, Timberland 20s and 30s, it's people in their 20s and 30s. We say kind of our typical age is like 23 to 35, although we're not checking anyone's IDs, okay? You guys are welcome to be here. But thinking about our like young adulthood time frame, um, many people in this group are probably going to move several times, whether it's to a new state, a city, an apartment, you're going to move back in with the parents, you're going to move out, back out of your parents to save money, you know. Many of us will probably face some sort of life stage transition, maybe going to single to dating to married to having kiddos. A lot of times that happens in the 23 to 35, not always. I was think I heard some statistics about how young adults change their jobs every two or three years or that the average young adult is going to have anywhere between 13 to 15 different jobs. Like, I mean, kind of comforting, because you're like, oh, okay. But also, like, that's a lot of change. That's a lot of change. The seasons of change and transition in any group is a lot, but our age group is pretty, you know, it's a lot. So just out of curiosity, I was thinking about this, and I'm just curious if you'd participate with me for a second, you know, get ready to raise your hand. I was going to ask you for it. If you have moved, and when I say moved, it can be city, state, or you just like moved to another apartment, house situation. In the last year, would you raise your hand? Perfect. Keep them up. If you've done so in the last three years, okay, and in the last five years, okay, okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hands down. <laughs> um, how many of those people, or you're just going to have to raise me, you moved to a completely different city? How many of those have moved to a completely different state? Okay. I don't know. What's the percentage of that? 50? <laughs> Ish. Looked about, looked about half, maybe a little less. That's like pretty significant. Okay. How many of you have had a shift in life stage. Let me explain. You went from a student to working, or you went from single to married, or you went from not having little people to having little people in the last year. You could raise your hand. Okay, the last three and the last five. Cool. You know, thanks for participating. <laughs> thanks for participating. The sheer amount of change that in our young adulthood is pretty significant. I heard someone say that the top five most stressful things <laughs> to happen to a human being, I don't know where this came from. I don't know the, I'm, I'm, I don't know how they figured this out. I believe them though. The top five most stressful things are is a move, a new job, marriage, having a kid, and the death of div or the divorce of a spouse. That those are the top five most stressful things <laughs> to walk through. In our life stage, Many of us will walk through or have walked through several of these, sometimes several of them at a time. Like, I got married, I moved, and I started a new job, right? The changes are inevitable. Transitions will happen. And so tonight, I want to look at some scripture. I want to see where we see this in scripture, which, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's everywhere <laughs> in scripture. 
And I want to talk some practical things, some practical biblical advice, some wisdom for entering change and for leaving something well. Now, I already said, Scripture is basically filled with everyone in transition, and in a way, like, we're all in transition, right? True. But Scripture is filled with people in big transition, and we see people who are growing and changing and transforming and being called into really uncomfortable places. So just to name a few, um, God led Abraham to, like, a cross-country move, and he didn't even know where he was going. Like, no maps, no Google reviews about where he's going. God revealed it to him along the way. God chose Moses to lead a whole group of people out of slavery. And that was hard and long and not what they thought it would be. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years <laughs> before arriving to their new home. It was totally unfamiliar and scary with new job descriptions and a new structure and a new way to relate to God and having God at the center. That was all brand new. Also, Moses wasn't even the guy to lead them into the promised land. Joshua was. So thinking about Joshua, like he was a trailblazer, leading people depending on God and God's promises in new territory that his predecessors were actually too scared to enter. He led the transition of, from the desert into the promised land. We see people like Nehemiah who have this dream in their heart to leave what they know. He lived his whole life where he lived with this purpose and vision of rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. Very brave, very bold. We see Jonah, who's called by God to go to Nineveh, which was people he didn't even like, <laughs> people unlike him whom he didn't like and whom he didn't want to go to. <laughs> and he whines about the whole thing, and then he ends up, you know, he's in the belly of the fish, we know this much. But it's a lot of whining because he doesn't want to go. We see Jesus call disciples that leave the lives they know, their careers, their families, their communities to follow him, when really they had no idea what that meant, what that looked like. No job description <laughs> was ever given to them. They were just invited to come and see. And I wonder, I think about them sometimes, and I wonder if they knew all that was coming for them if they would still have said yes, if they'd have been game for that from the beginning. I'd like to think so. You know, in John 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for another big transition. Again, they think life's going to look a certain way, um, and it wasn't the way that they expected. And so Jesus prepares his disciples for a big transition that they're not going to love, and they're not going to understand. And he tells them, essentially, I'm leaving. Um, you're going to be sad. It's for your good so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, come again? When? How? What's happening? Explain. <laughs> you know? And that's the, these verses in John 16, uh, 32. He says, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you'll be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that, that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And after that, it goes on in, uh, in the chapter after that, John 17, where he prays for himself and he prays for them and he prays for the believers that are to come because there's transition. It's big. It's hard. It's necessary, but it's big and it's hard. Another example I, I saw in Paul's letters, you see a deep love and a deep affection for communities that he was in. Like he'd spent years with them and then he'd be willing to start over and go to a new city and rebuild 
But we see at the beginning of most of the letters that Paul wrote, this connection and this affection for previous communities he was a part of. Like the very first verses of Philippians, he <laughs> writes, like, I thank my God every time I remember you. It's this picture of community and deep friendship with people he worked with and lived with and served alongside. Those communities can be really hard to leave. Scripture's filled with it. Those are just the ones that came to my mind. But scripture's filled with change and transition and movement. People leaving what's comfortable for totally unknown territory. God inviting his people to follow him, to grow, be stretched in capacities they never could have dreamed. And I think there are seasons for all of us where this feels easy and fun and exciting. Like, I got married and having babies and we're chasing dreams and yay, it's fun. And then there are seasons where it's really hard and painful and terrifying. And sometimes a mixture of both. <laughs> Glory, excitement, fear, all at the same time. But all of this we face. You know, often at 20s and 30s particularly, we've talked about building community. Um, what to do when you're new. We have a lot of folks who are new. who are coming, they move here, they don't know anyone. They're looking to rebuild, make friends. Like that's like a, something that we hear that a lot. A lot of people come to us that way. Um, and what you do when you're new and how you build community, we're really passionate about that. We are. Because some people say, I'm just, look, I'm just trying to find my friends. I'm just trying to find them. And I'll say, I'm like, no, you have to build. You have to build them. You have to show up. You have to say yes. Like we talk about that a lot how to build the community when you're here and when you're new. It's important. We're going to keep talking about it. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about leaving and how you leave well, whether it's leaving a city, a state, a community, um, or even if it's just leaving a job for another job. So that's kind of what I want to dig into a little bit tonight, but not because I want any of you to leave, <laughs> okay? <laughs> just because it's helpful, and I hope it's helpful. And so a little bit about um, me. I've been in my role here for four and a half years, which also feels crazy because it does not, it feels fast. It feels, but in other ways, it feels long. I don't know. Um, but five years ago, I moved back to Fort Collins after like a formative and difficult season um, in Southern California. I spent two years uh, there. And before that, I navigated kind of leaving a pretty close community that I was pretty rooted in when I got married and we moved to California and navigating all that transition. I have navigated some relational tension um, with one particular employer that I've had, um, but I really have tried to leave well. And I'd like to say mostly I have. <laughs> I'm maybe less averse to change and risk than the average person, but I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Not comfortable with that, that's for sure. And I am grateful for some really dear mentors. Bob was one of them who sharpened me and forced me to think about important things, um, led me when it came to some transition. So even though Bob's not here tonight, um, I'm sharing some advice that he taught me that I didn't know. I mean, that I just didn't know before that. So I hope that it's helpful with some things that I've learned along the way. So as you approach change, you approach transition, I want to give you some practical thoughts to think through. And if you have something to write down, if you want to keep them, you know, people say what you remember. I forget the percentage. You don't remember everything you hear, but what you write down or what you see or whatever. I'm really nailing that statistic. Um, 
if you'd like to write these down or you'd like to take pictures to reference them later, I don't know how many of you are in a transition today, but I know all of you will be in transition soon. Write them down, maybe come back to them. So the first thing is that people remember how you leave more than how you come. People remember how you leave more than how you come. And maybe you should think about that. I, I, maybe I'll ask if you agree. If you think of the transitions of people you've seen around you, do you agree with this? Do you see this? Does this feel true? It's important how we leave, to finish well, to leave right. People remember how you leave more than how you come. So how do we do that? The first thing I would suggest is that we honor God and we honor people. So we honor God and we honor people. How could I best honor God and honor people? You know, Romans 12, 10 um, says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What does honoring people look like? I Googled it, <laughs> the definition of honor, which is respect. Respect. What does respecting people look like? What makes you feel respected? I think it's easy to point out disrespect. I think it's easy to point out dishonor. It's worth thinking through what honor and respect looks like. I um, <laughs> had a job where I was really into this idea. I think I heard maybe Bob or somebody else told me, like, what does it look like to honor people in transition? And so a previous employer that I had, I was like, I, I was interviewing for this job, but I did not have this job. <laughs> I was pretty confident I was going to get it, but I did not have it. And I had my another employer, and I was just like, I just feel like honoring this person. I, want, I don't want to be sneaky. I want to tell the truth. So I tell my employer, I'm interviewing. <laughs> another, I'm, I'm interviewing for another job, but I didn't have the job. Professionally, not probably a good choice. I don't recommend necessarily doing that, especially if you don't get the job, and then your employer's like, are you loyal? And, you know, that whole bag of tricks. And um, it didn't go very well me telling my employer that. But in my mind, it felt like I was like, I don't want to be sneaky. I want to be up front. To me, that felt like honoring my employer at the time, even though I didn't like it. And I'm still, I, I mean, he, didn't, he took it personally, and it didn't turn out very well, but now we're cool. <laughs> I just feel like saying that. But for me, honoring my boss looked like not being sneaky and acting in what I thought was kind um, and what I thought was best so that he could set up someone coming after me for that. That was what that looked like for me. One thing I think that honors people or honoring people above yourself is to follow through on your commitments, to follow through on your commitments. In Psalm 15, you know, the question is posed, um, who shall dwell in the tent of the Lord? This is the first part of Psalm 15, or on the holy mountain of God. And then it lists all these attributes of people. Um, and one of them, which I put up, I'm going to put up two, yeah, two versions of uh, Psalm 15:4, where it's he who swears to his own hurt and does not change, um, and who keeps an oath even when it hurts and doesn't change their mind. Sometimes I think keeping your commitments isn't um, the most sexy thing. <laughs> like when I'm committed to something and following through something, other things are coming my way, that might be more fun, the more sexy option. But following through your commitments honors God and honors people. How can you honor God and honor people as you leave? Um, the next thing, do everything in your power to never burn bridges. Sometimes, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say often, but I think relational tension 
um, can be a big source of transition, whether it's job-related with a supervisor, coworkers, families, friends, interpersonal tension and conflict or unhealth in the people that you're close to uh, certainly can make some dynamics difficult to work through. Like dealing with people and their sharp edges can be hard, can be emotionally exhausting, can be draining. The um, instance I was talking about left me in like a funk for like four months because I really carried some tension with a relationship in my life. I think in those instances, it can be easy to justify writing people off, like closing the door, closing it hard. <laughs> but be careful. Be careful of that. I remember Bob saying to me, just straight up, you never burn bridges. You never burn bridges. And since then, I've, I've seen uh, many people burn bridges in anger and frustration and emotional responses that turned into people saying things that they could, like you can't unsay <laughs> stuff. Or I've seen people leave in really poor ways um, that, does, that does burn bridges. To so do everything in your power to never burn bridges. As you leave a job, maybe ask yourself, could I return to this workplace in five years? Could I come back? Or when it comes to like ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, could you have all your exes around a table for dinner? That's a tough one. Not, and not like it's a rare thing to be able to, to say. And I know there's so many more circumstances that I'm not necessarily saying you should do that. It's just something to think through, question to think through. When you end relationships, have you done so in a way where you genuinely wish the other person well? Not that everyone can say that. And there are lots of other things at play for sure. Bridges get burnt for other reasons, but try your best to be sure that that reason isn't, isn't you and your actions. Okay, the next one. Um, invite people into your process. Invite people into your process. True community processes together. True community invites other people in, asks for feedback, asks for prayer. Before I moved to Southern California, I was leading a team. Um, we did ministry together here with high school kids, and I was the lead of the team, and I had this opportunity that presented itself to move to California. And I didn't, I hadn't said yes. It was something I was still considering. It was like six months out from moving. And I remember inviting that team into that from the very beginning. Like I was like, I don't know, guys, what do you think about this? Um, would you pray for me in this? And I remember one of my friends' response was like, oh, no, <laughs> like sad that I was leaving. But over this course of six months, like they felt like they were really in my corner or felt like they could speak into that. And then it was a huge, a huge gift to feel like they were a part of my process and a part of how they ended up sending me and blessing me as I went. I think the ideal way that transitions happen, especially like a move, if you're moving far, <laughs> is there's a community effort involved. We think of, oh, I'm just on my own. I'm like, you know, I'm doing my next thing. But I think ideally, it's a community effort. Ideally, you are sent by a community of people, or if I could use the words, you're commissioned out, blessed by the community that you're leaving. You know, in many church spaces, we lay hands and pray um, for people, asking for God's blessing as they go. We've done that many times in this room at events like this for people who are 
going to be missionaries, people who are leaving, moving, um, going to different states, starting something new. Again, we love having each other here, but we want to be open-handed with one another too, trusting that God, the dreams he gives you, the dreams and the things he calls us to do in our lives, that we can support that and say yes to that, even though we're sad (laughs) when our people leave us. We choose to be a community of people who sends intentionally. And ideally, so ideally you're sent by a community of people, and then ideally you're received by a community of people. And sometimes you move to a place where you know no one. It's hard to feel received by a community when you're like, anybody, who's here? I get that. And maybe that point is actually for us. How can we be a community of people who blesses and sends folks who leave, and how can we be a community of people ready to receive? And not so that um, we have a lot of people come and our numbers grow or people come to Timberline or something. Because it's the biblical model of the church to be a safe place for people to land when they are new. With you as an individual, with us as a community, as a church. So invite people into your process. And the sign of a good transition is often a community of people affirming you're going and a team of people welcoming you in. And the next thing, when you know a move is coming, intentionally celebrate and reflect. What can you do to actively celebrate the place you're in, to mark your transitions? Um, I was talking to my friend Norm about this message, and he counsels missionaries who are transitioning out of their role um, or to a new place. And he himself has walked through like a million moves. <laughs> that was crazy. In 30 years, he said, um, in the 30 years that he and his wife have been married, they moved 15 times. <laughs> Big moves. They were missionaries for years as a family. But each time they prepared for a move as a family, they would go through a series of questions. They had a thing that they would do as a family, and he said it was so helpful, not necessarily for him, but he was like, so helpful for my family, for my girls, his daughters, so helpful. So here are some of the questions that he said he asked. I'm going to put them, I think I, did I write, like a slide? Oh, perfect. Um, What do you love most about the city? What's your favorite part of the space, house, apartment? What have you appreciated about the season of being here? What are you going to miss the most? They would do this around their dinner table as a way of processing and celebrating the transition. Sometimes we can just be so consumed with all the things that go into moving, like packing hacks. What you guys know about styrofoam plates? You get styrofoam plates between your normal plates and you put them in a box. Moving hack for you. Pinterest told me that one. But we can be really like, um, I don't know, frazzled. Quickly on to the next thing. There's something powerful about choosing intentionally to stop and reflect and celebrate with some of these questions. So be sure to take a picture of them or write them down. Um, he also told me about an acronym that's pretty helpful. It's called the RAFT method of smooth transitions. So the RAFT method. Reconcile, affirm, farewell, and think destination. So reconcile, which is kind of like the burn bridges thing I said a little. But where you are able, you gain as much closure as you can from the communities that you're leaving. You reconcile relationships if they're unwell, if you can, if you're able. 
that will lead more peace into your next thing. Affirm is like, who, who do you need to thank? Who can you thank? Who can you appreciate? Take a moment to share the impact that people have made on your life when you're close to them. Acknowledge that the people in your life matter. And then for well, make space to say goodbye to people and places. Don't just leave into the night. I was thinking of, I don't know how many of you guys watched New Girl. Anybody? Nick Miller doing the moonwalk out. I should have put that gif up there. That would have been funnier. Don't just moonwalk out into the night. When I left uh, Fort Collins, I talked about I was like pretty rooted in a community where I was doing ministry. I was spending time with a lot of high school kids, and I was so grateful because we had like a going away thing. Um, and then we had my wedding, and then immediately after my wedding, like ripping the bandaid, I was like, she's out. She's gone. And we were, I was excited. You know, I was excited to be married, excited to go to California. Um, but some of the people around me, it was like I was dying. They were like bawling. <laughs> like literally, I was like, I'm, I promise I'm still here. Like we're, FaceTime is great. Like you can call me. Like I'll be back. Like I'm not, you know, we're good. But the next move I did, I was quick to be like, see you later, instead of saying goodbye, because I was like, this is easier. Or it's just being like, oh, you'll see me. But there's something that's important for them and for you to let people do that, to let people say goodbye, to let people throw you a going away party, even though it can be a little emotionally hard. Let people give you a farewell. And then the think destination, I mean, this one's not hard. You get excited, right? Get excited. Dream. Think through the logistics. <laughs> of where you're going. It's the raft method of smooth transitions. It would say that leaving right is the key to entering right. If you leave without closure, without peace, even if you don't, I don't know, if you don't think about it, you carry that, whether you're aware of it or not, into your next thing. Leaving right is the key to entering right. I think it's spiritual. Celebrate and reflect. And I would say spend time alone where you can. Spend time alone. Spend time with Jesus. Put it in your calendar. Journal. Pray through um, what the season has meant to you. I have a practice um, that I do. I'm a journaler. There's been seasons in my life where I'm like a huge journaler. Like I love me some writing in my journal with the Lord. Or like I'll pray. Like I'll write my prayers in a journal. Or just, you know, I'm a big note taker, if you will. Um, and at the end of any journal, I make a whole thing. I call it a journal's end. <laughs> but I make, like, save a few pages, like two or three pages at the end of my journals. And then I read back through that journal. And I look for things, themes, that I felt like God was teaching me in that time. Um, songs that I listened to on repeat. Huge events that marked some of that time for me. And I put them in the back of a journal. I've been doing this for, I don't know, several years and it got to the point where I had multiple journals that I could do like sit next to each other to then do an even higher view up where I looked at even more themes and so I have a picture of the end of some of my journals of getting to look back and be like man the things that God has taught me over the last five years the things that were repeated all of that kind of stuff <laughs> but there's something that's super valuable in that for me and I don't share that to be like yay but as a thing I'm like take it steal do that take moments to process what were themes of the last season that you were in 
What songs did you love? What places did you go? Again, it's kind of repetitive, but I really encourage you to try to take moments to do that. I was uh, recently on a trip to Israel, which I cannot believe, and it was amazing, and I would love to talk about it more. <laughs> it was awesome. But one of the things they did, it was like a fire hose of stuff while we were there, and they would say, be sure that you're processing, that you're spending time, think about it, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 when I get home. When I get home, I'll do that later. Uh-huh. But what I found is I was like, oh, I just like never actually did. <laughs> I never made space to do that. I think we do that with a lot of different things. We're like, well, once I unpack all the boxes, once everything's on the walls, where's my cookbook? Like, I don't know. We have things that were like, once I get through whatever it is, once I get through this next thing, then. But my encouragement is to make space almost like I'm put it in your calendar like it's a meeting you can't miss to spend time to celebrate it. So if you don't make space for it, it won't happen. Intentionally plan time to rest with God. Um, and then just the last thing is remember that God is coming with you. All the unknowns um, of what's on the other side of transitions in all the ways that you feel um, in over your head or whatever that God is stirring in you, I think it can be easy to be afraid. I think it can be easy to be overwhelmed. And this is kind of like, you're like, yes, God's with me. But really remember that God is with you. God is coming with you. And he uses our times of change, especially where we're uncomfortable. <laughs> he uses that time to connect with us and to grow us. You know, Joshua, when he was on the cusp of the most monumental transition of his life and his legacy, this is God speaking to him in Joshua 1, uh, 2 through 9. It says, now then you... Um, and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful in whatever you do. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Often the way I think God works um, is it's kind of looking forward, it's a little cloudy. <laughs> like looking forward, it's cloudy out front where you kind of only see enough to trust that it's the right direction from God but you don't have total clarity of what's coming where you still need faith. It's foggy out front, but it's clear looking back. Looking back, it's a lot easier to see God's faithfulness. Looking back, you can see God's faithfulness in your other transitions and the other place he's shown up for you and been with you. You can remember he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's with you. He's with you. 
that's all my wisdom on transitions. But I want to pray for us and the transitions that I know will happen in this room. So let's pray. Father, we hold on um, to, the prom- to that promise that you're with us, um, that you never leave us or forsake us. That's true. God, I pray for the folks in this room, maybe folks who are right now feeling like they're on the edge of a transition, whether that's a transition in life stage, whether they're about to move, whether they're about to start a new job. God, we pray for those people now. Would you give them discernment and wisdom and vision about what it looks like to navigate transition well? And God, for all of us, knowing that the things that you're calling us to might totally terrify us. Like if we were to know all that you were going to do in our lives in the next, I don't know, five, ten years, our brains would probably explode. But God, we, we just recognize and trust you that you know what you're doing. Would you increase the faith? Would you increase our faith that you are trustworthy, that you are with us? And would you use the moments that are maybe uncomfortable to form us into the people that you want us to be? Might that be true? You're good, God, and we love you. Amen.